Well, good morning. Great to have you here. And if you are a guest, my name is Charles. Thanks so much for being a part of our service. We're going to start doing this uh, once a month, um, Sunday Fellowship. And today is Apple Day. This comes from a local orchard. And as Neil said, they're, they're uh, COVID uh, approved. They've been watched. And uh, you know what they, what they say in the States about an apple? An apple a day keeps the snow away. I bet you hadn't heard that one before because I just made it up. So anyway, hope you'll hang around, enjoy an apple, enjoy some conversation. Well, uh, just a little kind of aside here. I'm so encouraged about our bounce back after COVID. You know, as a pastor, I kind of stay in touch with trends and what's on the internet and what's happening in the States, talk to my pastor friends. And so we were really concerned about how's the church going to come out of post-COVID, especially here in Canada, because we were shut down so much more than in the States. And so the projections were like 70 to 80% of pre-COVID attendance would return. And uh, pretty much 20%, we, we don't know what happened. People follow the habit or for whatever reasons. But I am just so encouraged in how you're responding post-COVID. A couple of weeks ago, we had over 1,000, which we had before pre-COVID. We had over 900 last week. We had a couple of weeks ago, I think, or maybe off a week, our men's ministry and women's ministry started. Neil, who is over our men's ministry, said we had more guys in that study than ever before. We also, yeah... Uh, Jackie Shaw is leading our women's ministry, and we have several Bible studies. She says more than ever worth those Bible studies. Also, this is something you may not know about. If you're in the Spanish ministry, uh, if you're connected there, you do. But a lot of the fruit, maybe even this apple, was picked by migrant workers who come from Mexico or Central America. They have a work visa, they come up, and they do all this hard labor, and they send the money back to their families, and that helps support their families. Well, we have a ministry to like three or four farms uh, within 30 or 45 minutes. Mario Vacunano, who's a pastor of our uh, Spanish ministry, has led this effort. And every week on the weekend, I'm not sure the exact days, maybe Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, they go and serve these guys. Sometimes they'll feed, feed them. They'll always have some sort of service. Over 150 men are served every weekend. And we're hoping to kind of get more of you guys involved in that because sometimes they'll make a meal, you know, which means we're here in the kitchen and cooking stuff up. That is so, so cool. And then this weekend, Corey Brown, he is with almost 20 of our young adults on a retreat. So God is doing some amazing things even through and after COVID. So praise God. Let's, let's, let's thank God. This is one way we can thank him for his goodness. Yeah. My message today will include a, a very unique part. We've done this a couple of times in the past few years, but the passage in Mark that we're looking at today is a segue into the theme for this morning. That theme is this, healing, healing. Here's a question I want you to think about just in your mind's eye. You don't have to answer out loud, but what do you believe the Bible says about healing? Just think about that a bit. What do you know about what the Bible says about healing? We're going to look at that this morning. Now, the reality is there's a broad spectrum of views about healing in the Bible. On the one hand, sometimes it's sensationalized. You may tune in TV sometimes and you know these healing preachers, I'm not denying that some of it may be real, but some of it is not real. 
So it's sensationalized on one hand. On the other hand, it's completely denied and ignored and, and marginalized and minimized. I think somewhere between the two is the biblical perspective. Well, today's big idea sets up the message. Here it is. The scriptures provide an accurate and healthy perspective on this subject of healing. Now, the special component of today's service will occur at the end of my, my message where we're going to give you an opportunity to be prayed over for healing. Could be physical, could be spiritual, emotional, uh, uh, mental, uh, relational. And this is going to be a very quiet, um, somber, irreverent uh, time of prayer. We're not going to be dancing in the aisles and, you know, sensationalizing things, nothing like that. But I'll explain the details in just a moment. But if you want to be prayed for, we'll have some people down here, some of our leaders, our board, a couple of the back who are, are saved for those who have ambulatory issues. And you sit in the back, you could go there. And you simply will go to the, that couple, that individual, share your prayer request. They're going to put a bit of oil on your head. Now, if you're allergic to oil, just tell them, you know, most people would not be. And uh, they're going to pray for your knee. You go back to your chair. So I'm going to kind of unpack that uh, a bit. And by the way, what you share will be confidential. You won't have to say anything to anybody else. You won't be put on the spot or anything like that. Now, in the book of Mark, there are 15 recorded incidences of healing, various kinds of healing and, and miracles. So here's what we're going to do in the next 30 minutes. Today, you will understand some of the basics about healing. Just kind of a brief overview of what the Bible says. Secondly, you'll get an overview from today's passage in Mark that is a segue into the uh, whole idea about healing. So it's Jesus' first healing recorded in that book. Third, you'll learn what the book of James specifically says because James kind of parses it out a little bit more what, what healing, a biblical healing is. And then number four, you'll participate in the prayer time if you feel prompted to. Nobody has to. We may have one come. We've had times, just a few came, times when several came. So no, don't feel pressure to do it. <laughs> and hopefully if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, you will respond. Now here's how it's going to work. Again, some board members and their spouses uh, will be, some of them will be here. We'll have two staff members, one back there, one back there. If you have ambulatory issues, we want to reserve those two areas for those that cannot, you know, navigate down here. You can go for prayer there. You can come as a family. You can come as a couple. You can bring a friend. And I'll explain this again before we do, but I want to kind of set you up. You'll come up to the person. I'll be the traffic controller. I'll be like, uh, you can come down that aisle, that aisle, that aisle, that aisle. And I'll, I will say like over there or, or, you know, maybe over there. So I'll be the traffic controller. You want to stay a little bit away, maybe right here where the chairs are while somebody's praying. And um, you'll share your prayer need. They will pray for you, put a little bit of oil on your forehead, then you go back to your seat. Simple as that. Now, for those of you who don't feel led, again, we're not pressuring anybody. You still have a part. You can pray for those people who are coming. Even though you don't know their prayer need, even though you may not know the person, you can be praying for them as they come. We'll also have scriptures on the screen that will uh, rotate, and you can meditate over those. So it's that simple. Optional, quiet, and reverent experience. Okay, what does, we'll go to this first part of the message. What does the Bible say about healing in general? Well, if you go back to the very beginning in Genesis, there was no sickness in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect, no sickness, no social issues, no mental health issues, none of that. And then what happened? Sin. 
We call it the fall, and all of us have inherited that sin. One of the effects of sin was an effect upon our bodies, pain and health issues, sickness, and ultimately physical death. So God saw the predicament. He made a way in sending Jesus, who lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead, went to heaven, and will come back one day. He did this so that we might have a relationship with him. But there is an ultimate, there's a part of God's ultimate plan that connects to our bodies, both here and in the next life. Now, in the Old Testament, God is often described as a healer. Here's one of his names, Jehovah Rapha which essentially means God is healer. Exodus 15 says, I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 103, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Now in the Old Testament, priests were involved in this healing process. They were not the healers. Rather, they were more like healthcare consultants. When someone was healed, the law required that they would come to the priest. The priest would declare them healed. The prophets, however, were more the vehicle through which God healed in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus often healed. The gospels, among the four gospels, there were six exorcisms and 17 healings, and each gospel mentions them in different degrees. And as we see these healings, these miracles Jesus did, it tells us that he could heal physical diseases, that he had power over all evil, and he ultimately defeated death because he rose from the dead. Now, the Bible also records other miraculous healings in the early church in the book of Acts, which follows the gospel, which tells us about the early church. However, the books that follow that we call epistles or letters, there's no recorded instance of a healing. There is mention of the gift uh, of healing, but there are no recorded healings after the book of Acts. However, at the same time these supernatural healings are mentioned in Scripture, the Scripture also affirms the medical field, doctors and all those related in that way. Luke himself was a doctor. Now I want to pause here just a minute. I don't want anybody to feel pressured, but I'd like to know, if you are a doctor or a physician's assistant or a nurse or administration somehow in the whole field or a pharmacist or a psychologist or a social worker, if you are one of those, would you mind just standing up for a minute? I just want to recognize you. If you're in the medical field in any way, just stand up and just stay standing. Just stay standing. Stay standing. Wow. Just stay standing. This is great. I just want to say to all of you, whatever role you're playing in the medical field, God looks upon that with favor. You are a very powerful part in him ministering to the physical needs of men and women and boys and girls. So I just want to affirm you and you guys, what you had to go through COVID, I just sat in my office all day. I didn't have to deal with the sickness and death that you have and, and did. So thank you, and let's just recognize these and thank them for their work. Thank you, guys. You can sit down now. Now, it's important to understand this statement. Read it to yourself. A biblical worldview on sickness and disease and health differs from the current Western mindset. Today, disease is more to do something uh, about with your body uh, that needs biomedical intervention in some way. A biblical worldview, however, is much more holistic. 
phys- it deals with physical and relational and emotional and mental and spiritual components. Now, fortunately, more and more doctors in the medical field and medical personnel are recognizing that we need to have more of a holistic look on, on health care. You see, God is concerned with our whole being. In fact, there's an important Old Testament word, shalom. Now, shalom actually means completeness, wholeness, not just bodily wholeness, but total person wholeness. You see, when Jesus healed, he was most concerned with the whole person, specifically and especially their soul, their their spirit. Now, we are one unified being. We are soul, body, and spirit. So when the scripture speaks of physical healings, while they historically definitely were true and occurred, they served as symbols of how God wants to heal all of us spiritually. Now, that's a very brief overview of the Bible on healing. Now, secondly, let's look at an overview here from today's passage. I'm not going to read the whole passage. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to cover just a few of these verses. So here we go. Now, you see the picture here. This is actually a synagogue that sits over the place that probably Mark refers to here in the city of Capernaum. So it says they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. Now, what he had just done, he had just called his first four apostles. They were fishermen. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So with these guys in tow, he goes into the synagogue because it was tradition. If you were like, if you were a traveling rabbi, you could go into the local synagogue and it was kind of open for you to do your preaching, your teaching. And here's what it says about the people who were there hearing Jesus. They were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed at his teaching? Because he spoke as one who had authority. Whereas the the religious leaders, these were the scribes, they were considered the the religious uh, ones who who knew it. Uh, Their preaching was lackluster. Why? Because it wasn't really from God and Jesus. Though when his preaching, when he preached, it was from God. And the people noticed that. They were amazed. Later on, though, he had conflict with some of these spiritual leaders. And here's what it says. There was a guy in the synagogue. He was possessed by an evil spirit. He cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so this demon-possessed guy knew who Jesus was. Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. I'll explain a little more why Jesus said said that. But Jesus here had no scripted formula. It wasn't a scripted formula at all. But he performed an exorcism right then and there. Then he goes on to say, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, who is this? What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. So this audience experienced Jesus' power, not just through his teaching, the authority that he brought through his teaching and preaching, but through these miracles that he was working. And because of that, here's what happened. Like wildfire, the news spread about him over the whole region of Galilee. Now, this must have given hope to people who knew family members of themselves were sick or or they were demon afflicted. Because it goes on to say here, they left the synagogue... And they went, the four of them, James and John and Simon and Andrew, and Simon's mother-in-law, she was sick. She had a fever. And they told Jesus about it. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus healed her, took her hand, helped her up, fever left, and she waited on them. She probably made, made them a meal. 
So here we have, in the book of Mark, Jesus' first recorded physical healing of Simon's mother-in-law. And she immediately began to serve and, again, make a meal for them. Well, no rest for Jesus. It's already been busy. Here's what happens next. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Now, it wasn't 100% of the town, but like when we say like just everybody was there, that's what was happening right then. Now, after sunset would have been the following day because based on how Jewish people defined the Sabbath when it began and ended. So the day after he was, he was uh, in, this, uh, 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 in the church, in the synagogue, it was a Sabbath day, and they brought Jesus' friends, or friends to Jesus, their family members, because they wanted Jesus to heal them. He told these demons, I said that I'd come back to this, he told the demons not to tell anybody. The reason is because his timing was not right to, for the whole world to know that he was the Messiah. Now, can you imagine being one of these guys? You've been working with smelly fish, catching fish, scaling them, you know, and, you know, fixing fish to sell. And now you're with this guy, Jesus, and he's doing these miracles and he's speaking with authority. Can you imagine how your mind must have been spinning? We see that later in the book because the disciples were still struggling like, who is this Jesus? Okay, so that's a brief overview of that passage in Mark. Now, let's look at today's key passage. It said Jesus healed. The key passage today is James 5, 13 through 16. We're going to see what the James, James says about healing. So I'm going to read this passage. If you want to turn your Bibles, you can. It's just a few verses. James 5, 13 through 16. This is probably the most definitive explanation about a biblical worldview of healing. Verse 13 says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, this passage, if really, if it's about anything, it's about prayer more so than healing. So here's some of these questions he asked. He says, is any one of you in trouble? Now, this trouble could be sickness. It could be distress. It could be persecution. It could be suffering, loss, emotional pain. You're just stressed out. But then he asked another interesting question. Is anyone happy? So usually we think about praying for our problems, right? I got these problems, I need to bring them before God. He says, no, pray about when good things happen. You get that, that raise you weren't expecting. If you have preschoolers, the baby sleeps through the whole night. You got a teenager and you tell your teenager, please take the, the, the trash out. And your teen says, sure, mom, can I make you breakfast too? Now that's probably time to check if they have a fever, you know, but anyway. Now, if you're a teen, I, I, I know I'm kind of picking on you, but let me tell you what I know teens understand that we can be kind of ornery too. But he's talking about good things that make you happy. You find a new, a new friend, uh, any kind of good things. We pray about that and talk to God about it. We sing songs about it. Then he asked this question, is any one of you sick? Now this could mean weak or ill, but the main focus here is physical sickness. Physical sickness that's too much for you to bear alone. He doesn't say go to the elders if you know if you got a 
got a sore knee, your back's hurting, and you got a sniffle. He's not saying that at all, but he's, he's really speaking of, I think, a broader than just physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational issues. And here's what he says you're supposed to do. Call the elders of the church. Now, three questions here. Who does the calling? Who is that referred to? The sick person, right? Okay. The sick person does the calling. They take the initiative. This was kind of a pattern in Jesus' ministry. He didn't always do this, but he often waited for the sick person to come to himself. Who calls? Who is to be called? This is a non-trick question. Elders. Okay, the leaders of the church. Now, He's not saying the elders would have the gift of healing. He's just saying the elders, the leaders. Okay, and I think that if you extrapolate this, it's really anybody that's walking with God. And then here is uh, another question. What are they called for? It's in the next verse. To pray over them and anoint them with oil. Now, this is probably, we've got uh, these little, little vials here. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, okay, this is... Even says, unscented, extra virgin olive oil and anointing oil. So I guess we got this at the, the oil place. Anyway, this is probably olive oil. In those days, olive oil was a symbol of uh, wholeness, uh, of health and vitality. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It also had a, medic- a medicinal quality. Now, the oil itself was, didn't have some magic uh, charm about it. It was not a magic potion or something through which grace was administered. Rather, it's simply a humble reminder that all healing comes from God. The oil is actually secondary and subsidiary to the praying. By the way, this is the only place in the New Testament that says use oil. So it's, it's not even required, but we're using this morning because we're practicing what James tells us to do. Now, because oil was a common, pra- common practice or commonly known uh, medicine, James could be implying here as well that it's appropriate to pair spiritual resources, praying for God to work, and medicine and doctors and medical resources, pairing those two together. And they're supposed to pray over this person in the name of the Lord. This is not some incantation, but rather a way to communicate humble submission to God's will and his authority. It it implies that all healing is ultimately God's doing, and it is an opportunity for God to intervene with his power. So we come come to Jesus with the confidence that he wants the very best for us, not with stubborn insistence, you better heal me, you better heal that person. We simply obey the scripture. We pray for the sick person. Leave the results to God, whatever they may be. Now, the next verse is a little bit mysterious and difficult. And the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. Now, some people believe uh, their theology says that what's called healing is in the atonement. Healing this side of heaven, that is, they believe that because we're saved and we're, we've experienced his forgiveness, then we can simply claim our, our healing. Uh, that's name and claim it is the phrase I use sometimes. That is, you, you, you must muster enough faith or have the right kind of faith. And if you do, you just claim your healing. Now, what this does, this makes faith another type of commodity. Like some people may have like the extra strength Tylenol faith, 
And some of you may have just the 85 uh, milligram aspirin faith. That's what it does, this kind of thinking. It might go like this. The, the, the amount of faith you would need would be one unit for a cold. The amount of faith you would need for an abscessed tooth would be maybe 25 units of faith, whatever unit is. And for cancer, that may be a thousand units of faith. Well, this kind of measuring faith by its apparent results leads you down this road and it's not good because what it does, it puts the emphasis on me and my faith and takes it off of God. It induces guilt. Well, obviously my faith was, was uh, not strong enough. It was imperfect. And it might lead some to neglect sound medical care. You probably read these stories, these occasional stories where a child was very, very sick and his family, they believed this and they refused to get medical treatment for the child and the child died. Those are some things that could happen. Now, it's important to realize this is a very unusual expression not found anywhere else in the New Testament. In one sense, we are, we're to offer all prayers in faith, right? Or else they wouldn't be biblical prayers. So when a church leader or anyone else prays for any kind of healing, we come with, a, with an attitude of submission and trust that God can and do what is needed in that situation. He will do what is best. We must, by faith, trust in God's goodness and his knowledge and power no matter the visible outcomes. So we come, we express our earnest desire, and leave the case with God. Now, when you look at how Jesus he healed, there were different kind of circumstances when he healed. On the one hand, sometimes he healed in response to a person's personal faith. He also would heal sometimes when, that, uh, when uh, uh, faith was not even mentioned. Sometimes he was kept from healing because of the lack of faith. Sometimes to instill faith, he would work a miracle so they would, they would see the power of God at work. And then he says that final phrase here, make the sick person well. The, the word here is read the word save. Now we think of, of healing as kind of getting rid of a disease, you know, rewinding the clock and making the person come to their previous physical state. But biblical healing is much, much broader. It's a concept that means coming into a right relationship with God. First and foremost, which touches every part of our body, our emotions, our relationships, our body. It is often God's will to heal physically, to heal our sicknesses, or else this wouldn't be in the Bible. It is not always God's will to heal physical sickness. The Apostle Paul, I mean, this was super Christian. Apostle Paul, the uh, scholars tell us he had, probably had some sort of a disease, maybe an eye disease that really hindered his, uh, his work, so he thought, so he prayed. He earnestly prayed for God to release this from him. And you know what God did? He didn't. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That was his response. He didn't take away that disease. He says, listen, Paul, I will be enough even though I don't heal your disease. So when healing occurs, it may be instant. It may be over a period of time. It may be what we would call miraculous. It may be due to medicine or surgery or their body's healing process. We can't propose a one-size-fits-all approach to healing. And he says, the Lord will raise him up. So, the power to heal is not channeled through the oil we're going to be using. It's not because of a leader's faith. It's not because of the proper quantity and quality of faith. 
It's not even because of our prayers. It is because Jesus Christ is the ultimate healer. It does imply that there is a potential link between sin and sickness based on what James says next. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now, three ideas about this. All sickness is fundamentally due to sin from the garden, okay? There was no sickness and sin uh, in the garden. Then sin came and then sickness came along with it. Some sickness can be the direct result of sin because in Scripture sometimes God chastised someone because they continued to keep sinning. But then God's fundamental desire is that we are freed from sin and its results. And the third idea here, some sickness is because of our bad choices. Let's just be honest about that. Let's say, because Scripture says you reap what you sow. Let's say a friend of yours comes up to you and says, Yeah, you know, I know you're a real person of faith, and I got this really hacking cough. I just can't get rid of it. Well, you happen to know that this person who's asking you to pray for their hacking cough to go away is a chain smoker. What do you pray for? The hacking cough to go away? Or they quit smoking? What's the answer? Quit smoking. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. So sometimes our behavior does result in um, sickness. Now, not all sickness is tied to sin. In fact, this happened in Jesus' life, an episode in Jesus' life. They were walking along and there's this guy that came up. He'd been blind from birth. So the disciple says, teacher, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins are those of his parents. You see, they still believe that there was this cause and effect. If you sinned, then you were going to, if you were, you were sick, that meant that you had sinned. Here's Jesus' response. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. He was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. You know, God is glorified uh, oftentimes through debilitating disease and difficulty in people's lives based on their, on their response. So, there is a potential tie between sin, a spiritual component, sin and, and sickness. Sin can be a contributing factor. It is from the fall. Sometimes it can be from our choices. And it seems pointless. The reason he says here, this whole thing of talking about sin and its relationship to sickness, it seems pointless if you've got sin and bitterness in your heart and you're asking for healing, you've got to deal with that first. That's the first place to start. And when we confess our sin, it removes a block between us and God. It removes a block for God's power to work in us because sin has a separating effect. It separates us from God, it separates us from others, and it separates us from God's power at work in us. So when we confess our sins, God removes that barrier and we're much more open to receive his work in our lives, his grace and his power. So how do we pray for the sick? Three ways we pray for the sick. Aggressively, the Bible tells us to fervently. Here's one uh, uh, translation. It says, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Third uh, way we pray for the sick is submissively. Ultimately, God decides what is right. And I love this quote here from an old preacher from, you know, 100 years ago. The greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer wisely stated. Now, when I have prayed for healing for friends or family or myself and it didn't come, I take great comfort that we're only here temporarily. We've got a home in heaven. And oftentimes at a, at a funeral, I will read this verse. Read it to yourself. 
Isn't that comforting? If you know Jesus, one day you're going to be a place where there will be no more cancer. There will be no more mental illness. There will be no more broken relationships. There will be no more pain, no reason to cry or shed tears. That's the promise. So you see, a follower of Jesus always has hope. We may have exhausted all of the medical interventions, but you know what? You have hope that one day, yes, healing actually is uh, in the atonement in the next life. So, we have looked at some of these uh, basic ideas, and now it's time for this special prayer time. Now, let me explain what we're going to do. First of all, I'm going to ask those of you, the board members uh, and our staff, just go and take your positions right now. In a moment, I'll invite you to come if you want to pray. So if you're going to be a prayer, you go and get your position now, please. Uh, And the staff will be at the back, a couple of staff. And uh, these uh, couples and individuals, they'll actually have a a box of Kleenexes. They'll have a little thing of of oil. And uh, the staff at each corner there, we're reserving those for ambulatory issues. If you can't get down here, then feel free to go there. Uh, if there's a line, wait a few feet, just kind of where the chairs are here, just wait. I'll be the traffic controller. I'll point you to, to you know, an open spot. Um, you'll come and you'll share what your prayer need is. You don't have to make it really long, just short, what your prayer need is. Could be physical, could be mental, could be relational, could be spiritual. Maybe you need to come to faith today. And that's the fundamental uh, healing you need to do experience. You, you will not have to say anything publicly except in private. They will hold that prayer in confidence. They'll put a bit of oil on your head. They will pray for you. Amen. You go back to your seat. We'll have scriptures rolling on the screen if you don't feel led to come. And that's okay. Nobody needs to. But if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to come, you need to come. You really need to do that. So you can pray for these even though you don't know them. You can pray that God will work in them. And also you can be reflecting over these verses on the screen. So I'm going to pray a moment right now. We're going to have a little bit of background music. And then we'll open it up. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the powerful example of your powerful that we, uh, your power that we see in Jesus' life when he performed these miracles and performed healings. And Lord, you tell us in the book of James that we're supposed to pray for people. So we've set aside this special time now. And Lord, I don't know who, what people are dealing with. Some may be dealing with minor things and life's going well, but some may be dealing with some horrible things, whether it's health or relationships or, or emotional kinds of things. I pray that you would prompt those that need to come for prayer to step beyond any fear or awkwardness they may sense and just come down and be prayed over. And then we'll leave the results to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.